Today, my name is Mike, aka MTV Trigger. If you are new, thanks for joining and welcome to the show where we bring you PUBG news and help you get better at the game we all love. If you've been around a while, all we ask is that you share this with your squad. With me today, we have The One Heart, aka Kev. Hey, what's going on? Griffalicious, aka Griff. Hey, girl. And Heathy Keithy, aka Heath. G'day. So, guys. It seems like we just had a monster patch in recent history, but here we are with another huge addition to the game. I'm excited to talk about it. We had our recent announcement and surprise episode following the official handoff from Robin and Arjuna over to us, the new squad, Winner Winner 2.0, I don't know, whatever you want to call us. But we're here now, and due to that, we haven't caught up in a few weeks. So, Heath, what's going on, man? What's new? Yeah, I've joined a local science and tech club. They're just this great big bunch of nerds that have their own building, basically. And you walk in the door and there's just this bunch of four-eyed guys eating pizza and, you know, kind of socially anxious fellas. But they're really keen to help me with any sort of science stuff I want to do on the show. And a few of them are gamers. But they're, they're just from so many different fields that I'm really interested to see what I can pull from these dudes that can interact with PUBG and this show. So you're like a real scientist. Yeah, you, I'm just whatever I say I am. Who's going to check? Oh, he's certainly stolen a white jacket so far. <laughs> that makes him official. Right, and so uh, besides just uh, getting freshly out of the shower, Griff, what's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, I was super stoked to get clean. Uh, that needed happening. Other than that, man, how long has it been since we've done a show? I've had a kid since the last show. Not that that's like special or anything, but that's really been taking up most of my time. I haven't really been getting a lot of uh, quality PUBG time in, especially because this past weekend we had to take my other kid out of town so she could have a camping birthday. It's They're great. I love them. But it sucks because it's really cut into my gaming. So I, <laughs> I got I to fix that. Get your priorities straight. And Kev, I know uh, everyone's about to discover this as you start talking, but I know that you've got a new microphone that showed up today. How are you liking that, and what else is going on, man? I'm pretty ecstatic to have a new mic and not sound like a bit of a robot. It's just going to be nice to be heard a little more clearly. I'm sure some people will appreciate it. Oh, no, no, that's just your voice, in case anybody was curious. That's just it. That's how I always sound. Now it's being modified. Hello, I am the one heart. <laughs> All right. Awesome. <laughs> well, guys, on the uh, on the docket today, we've really only got two major things to talk about. So we've got the patch that we teased last week that is now on the live servers, and we're going to wrap this one up with a tactical talk on winning those early engagements. So I want to jump into this latest patch. It hit the live servers early this morning. There's tons to cover here. We've got the new weapon mastery feature, which includes rewards, medals, which double as achievements, and emblems, aka weapon levels. Erangel took a second major update to its loot, 
the sniper rifle damage multiplier was nerfed slightly, and there's a bunch of other miscellaneous changes that I'm sure we'll talk about, but I want to first jump into weapon mastery since it's the biggest feature that's been added recently. What do you guys think about this new feature? Have you had a chance to dig into it at all yet? Best feature ever. Hands down. Yeah, I gotta say, I love it. It finally feels like we're at 1.0. This is legit. Like, we got a pass before, and that was supposed to be 1.0. This feels this feels like a polished game when you get done your game and you, you see what happened with your weapons, what you did to level it up, and it's just really, like, slick looking. Like, that UI finally feels like it's fully thought out. I didn't get to use it much, but I watched it today. It was it was pretty fun to watch everyone's reactions. It's super nice, for sure. I You know, it's funny. I know you said, like, this feels more polished, like it's a 1.0. I mean, I've played plenty of games in the past where they didn't have any sort of weapon progression system like this. You don't really think about it, but in a game like PUBG where it asks so much of your time because it's not easy. You can't just pick it up and play it. You can't even play a game and, you know, like to play a game to completion, that's not a five to ten minute affair. That's a 30 minute dedication of time. And now it feels like we're being properly rewarded as players for all the time and investment we put in. And it's cool to be able to track that on an individual minute weapon basis. I just think that's really great. Yeah, I actually agree with that because this game really didn't have a good quote-unquote progression system. The only thing that was implemented was the survivor passes, battle passes, I never know what to call them. But there wasn't anything outside of your own personal progression. Like, do you want to win a solo chicken dinner, duos, squads? Do you want to make it into the top 10 consistently? Like you kind of had to create your own mechanism for tracking. Right. And this gives the first real system that allows you to actually track your progress in the game. To your point, like you bring up the survival pass, this feels like the first time we're being rewarded as players for playing the game and not just paying for the rewards. Because with the survivor pass, you could spend the $10 or whatever, but you could also spend money to buy all those levels and then earn all that stuff in return without putting in a single minute into the game. So it, it feels nice to, to have something, a, a real reward for your time. Nice to not have to use a third-party website, you know? Like, we don't have to go and use someone's solo-engineered you know, website. That They're great, but it feels like they're using their API a little better themselves. Yeah, I like the practical application of it. Like last night, I took a really long distance headshot at someone with the P1911 pistol. And I wasn't sure if I hit him because he was just at huge range and I couldn't quite see the blood splatter. And then when you look after the match at the match highlights, it showed I had 49 damage with a headshot with the pistol. That's really cool. Well, Winchester stats, here we go. <laughs> For some of us. Yeah, and in the heat of the moment in a hot drop, which, you know, obviously we're going to get to talk to those later, you are going to pick up random weapons and use them that you're not going to carry to the end game. And you might actually forget, like, you're going to remember your winning loadout, right? You're going to be like, yeah, I had that scar and that SLR. I was ripping people to shreds. But you might have had two quick early kills with the 1911 and kind of forgot about them. It'll be fun to be like, oh, yeah, I use this and own those two dudes. And it just kind of helps you, like, jog your memory, adds to that narrative you take away. So that's, yeah, that's a good point for sure. Yeah. And I actually really like one of the features that they put on the individual gun screen and it's the match high, which shows you your best game with that particular weapon. And to your point, Kev, it was like, I dropped in paradise a few times tonight before logging in. And one of the games I had a shotgun and the other game I had the vector 
and it was cool to see those stats and then it was like oh wow okay i've got some i've got some marks that i need to hit now to raise this up so there's a number of different progressions that it's added and i think the only thing that really gets me going to play call of duty games is the weapon progression it's a phenomenal system that many games have copied and there's a reason why it's so successful. It's fun to move these things forward. I haven't got an emblem yet. I have not got any of the achievements yet, but I'm excited to start unlocking those. Same. So what are the emblems? Are they just those kind of little badges that you can't actually put anywhere? It's just for you to look at and go, oh yeah, I got that? I think so. What the devs have said is figured out the keychain, the charms that go on the side of the gun. And those are pretty cool. There's a couple that are definitely more interesting than others. And obviously, if you can get the mini unknown, that's probably the coolest because that means you fully leveled that gun up. But then there's, yeah, there's those growing runes or symbols or whatever. Those, they haven't figured out what they want to do with them, but they've settled on the design of them, at least from the leveling up portion. I don't, they just they don't know how to show it off to other people. I'm assuming it'll be like a stamp on the gun somewhere. Right. I got one last night with the DP. It was I can't remember what it was called, but it was just to get a headshot with the DP. And yeah, it just shows up at the end of the round that you've achieved that and you can achieve that over and over again as well. It's not like a one-time thing. It stacks. Oh, so I think we're thinking of something slightly different. So I'm talking about the growing set of, uh, what is that called? Yeah, well, let me let me break this down. This is a good good time for it. So the charms are accessories that can be attached to your weapons. And you get a charm unlocked at every five levels of progression per weapon. In addition to that, there are emblems. The emblems are earned in their relative level brackets per weapon. And there's ten tiers of the weapon. So just by leveling each gun, you get a displayable emblem for your rank on the gun. And then you get a physical charm that you can attach to the gun for every five levels. In addition to this, there is a medal, and the medals highlight your awesome accomplishments per the dev letter. So it's the thing that if you get three kills in a match, you're going to earn that medal. But those can stack. So every time you earn this medal in a match, there is a counter that will increase as you earn it over and over. So kind of like the way Battlefield used to do their medal system is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, so those are your headshots, your quad kills, double kills, stuff like that. Yeah, like any particularly unique thing that you do with that gun in that round would constitute a medal as long as it fit the criteria of whatever the medal entailed. I almost feel like that's been kind of like hinted at with the way the UI works in customs where if you see someone go on that rampage, like that stuff was already in the game. You can only see it in spectator mode in comp or in, you know, the kind of tournaments that we see regular streamers do. But you would see and be like, oh, man, that's cool. We got a rampage. What the hell is that? You know? I'm curious to see what they do with the emblems because if it's just for me, I kind of don't care. I don't I don't know if it's like a thing you equip or they put it on there automatically. Like say it showed up in the kill screen and the person that killed you Ooh. showed you the gun that it killed you with and then like their efficiency or their mastery emblem next to it would be like, oh, dang, he's like a sniper king or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point, Griff, because like, I was trying to figure out how they were going to display these because they even said in their last dev letter that they didn't know how they were going to do it. And that would actually be really cool in the kill feed because they would maybe it puts their emblem with that gun next to the gun. So you're like, oh, this guy's legit with the Winchester. Well, I don't know that it needs to be in the kill feed necessarily. Maybe like the card that goes with the player name that you pull up on PC where 
It says their average rank in KD. Maybe you go lower and see how many headshots they've gotten. Is that what you're talking about? Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, when you die and the screen comes up, it says better luck next time, and it shows you who killed you. Like, it just shows you with what gun they killed you with and the emblem next to that gun. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. otherwise, the kill feed would get way too mucked up. It would just be full of junk at that point. Because, like, I don't really care that the person who killed somebody with a an AKM has a, you know, weapon mastery of eight or whatever. Like, it's irrelevant to me. Like, I would just end up turning that off because it doesn't matter. But if, you know, on when you die, just kind of being able to show that off would be a little bit cooler. Maybe it'd be cool for certain certain kinds of kills, right? Like, you're, there's already a marker for headshots, so it's not like that would be needed to have another marker. But right. I'm thinking if you hit the the five and ten kill medals, maybe those pop up. Like maybe they're highlighted in an orange or like a weird color, and you're like, oh, that's that dude's fifth. Or the little the symbols, if they're easily, if they can be made small enough and still identifiable, then maybe they they have a place of being their own little icon. But like some color maybe. system could work just to be like, oh wow, that guy just hit like a you know his tenth kill. Like that guy's on fire. I'm, you know he's dangerous, and he's got that arm, and he's near me. But that could be the information they don't want given away that easily. I don't know. That gets an old weird debate, too. How much information is given for succeeding. Right. Well, I went from being completely uninterested in the emblems and the charms to thinking like, oh, those ideas might be really cool. <laughs> so hopefully we see some cool implementation of these over time. At the very least, it's a way to see progression as you're working with different guns, which I think is really cool. For sure. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to display that. That should be fun to see what they what avenues they take. I'm sure they'll surprise us. Yeah, and what I think is most important with these systems is understanding how to earn XP for each weapon. So there's three main ways to earn experience. Damage, headshots, and defeats. That's how you level up the guns. You were talking about defeats in the last episode, and I listened to it twice, that section, and I, I didn't understand what, what you meant. Can you explain what defeats actually are again? So defeats is a new term used for tracking actions that include knockdowns, killing the last member of a team, and killing solo players. You can also acquire extra weapon XP based on distance of defeats. So the way this reads to me is thirsting or flushing a team. So if you were to knock someone or your teammate knocked someone and you kill that person, like you know how it pops up, you get the kill but the other person still gets the kill. I think that kind of goes hand in hand with that. That's that's how it's reading to me. What? You're not going to get defeats for stealing some other team's kill. Like, you know, if you're in squads and you steal a kill, that won't, you might get a kill for that, but you won't get defeat points and like weapon XP for that. You also, if you knock them in and then flush them, the flush won't give you any more XP. Hmm. And if you team kill somebody, you obviously get no weapon XP kill or anything. You just are an asshole. Right. So, but yeah, so you can't you can't steal kills. You can't get extra XP for helping your team finish a kill, and you can't team kill. I think that's really it. Yeah. So that's a really good breakdown because here's the scenario that maybe will explain this the best. Three teams are engaged. Team one knocks a guy from team two the guy on team one that did the knocking gets credit for the defeat and he will gain xp for that someone from team three shoots the guy that's downed with a car 98 headshot he is not going to get xp from the defeat because that was given for the knockdown 
but he will likely be given XP for the damage and the headshot to the player. Now that'd be interesting to see if that's true. I mean, obviously you still can keep the kill. And like you and I talked about, we're not sure if defeats then in that point have their own sort of points within the competitive scene, if that changes anything at all. It's interesting to see. I don't know if you'll get anything for doing anything to a knock player. Yeah, I guess what we don't know from the notes is if after the defeat is completed, meaning you knock the person, if there's XP for that player while they're down. I think, I think anyone down is is no more points. It's too easy of a target to help you rank up that weapon. It would seem like a cop-out. Like, yo, I'm almost done. Let me finish off this player on our team. Like, I have this shitty weapon. Let me get some extra XP. I feel like they worked against that. Turns out there was more to this. It says, defeats follow the existing judgment rules for down but not out slash kills currently used in the game. Additional information... Weapon mastery does not count friendly fire slash team damage, like like Kevin just mentioned. Weapon mastery does not count downs caused by road kills or environmental factors like a blue zone, red zone, fall damage, or drowning. So that would be if somebody gets hit by a car or they get down because of the blue zone and then you finish them, you don't get shit for that because the gun was not used in the initial downing of the player. Uh, weapon mastery does not count throwables or melee damage which you know is understandable i guess and then total defeats for each weapon can be found using or excuse me found on the weapons tab under mastery uh, and there is a maximum limit on each weapon that can be getting weapon xp so basically i think that means in a match if you're you know you have two guns in your kit say you've maxed out your m4 but you keep getting kills with it like it doesn't matter that's as most it can get so if you wanted to get the most mastery in a single match, then you would switch to your other weapon, I guess. But yeah, I wouldn't know how to track that in-game to even keep track of that. So That sounds like disincentivizing or whatever that word is. There's no incentive. But you know what I mean? That's, that would be annoying. Like I'm, I'm at 10 kills and I've maxed my M4, so i got to like switch to the SCAR. Not that that's like an issue, but it's like I'm in the zone. I'm feeling good on this gun. And it's silly to me that they would do that. I mean, I understand the purpose of not wanting to find ways to abuse the system, even though I'm like, but dude, the system's already like tough as muff. Like, I don't know how you expect me to abuse it, but okay. <laughs> you I think they might just be talking about level cap though. Like, once you get to 100, Maybe. that's max limit on weapon. Because right. I can see them knowing, you know, someone brings it up and they go, you can't do that for a per game basis. That's true. I can see them be like, you don't think Reddit's going to freak out about this? Like, we'll get so many angry people on Twitter and Reddit and everywhere. You're right. That's totally what that meant. After rereading it, there's a maximum level on each weapon that can be getting weapon XP. Yeah. So yeah, that's when it reaches max level. Disregard everything we just said. Cool. PUBG Corp, if you're listening, that was a, you know, don't do that. that was, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh shit, we could make the game dumber. Yeah. Let's do yeah don't, don't do that. We were not on to something here. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I watched Hambino a fair amount today and there was one game where he gained six levels with the M4. So I don't think that's going to exist. Yeah, I could have seen that going real bad on, on Twitch in one day, having like Shroud go off with something and then go, wait, I maxed out? Like, that doesn't make it, you know, and then just freaking out and then it being on Reddit. And... Yeah, we're already mad about $10 Chaco skins, so we don't need any more fuel for the fire. Yeah, right. Yeah. So is it safe to say that we all like weapon mastery and what it means for the game? Yeah, I think it's awesome. I actually think the the defeat is quite rewarding. Like, you know, those matches where you knock the same guy like three times and he goes behind a rock and his teammate gets him up and he comes back out and picks the same spot and you knock him again. 
and then you get shot in the back by a totally different team. The round ends, it says kills zero, but you know, you smash the guy three mm-hmm. times. Now at the end of that, you're going to get three defeats and a whole bunch of experience for that weapon. That's cool. You still prove that you're good with a weapon. Yeah. You just got screwed. For sure. That is, that's, it's just such a new dynamic and it, yeah, it's going to incentivize your team to keep playing. It's like, dude, we were still doing good. We were just in a long, drawn-out skirmish, and we got third party. We knew that was coming. We just couldn't get the last guy. He was being, you know, a little squirrely, and we couldn't we couldn't get him over that hill. I, I agree. That's going to make it really nice. Well, it's a good thing we have new uh, new weapon progression systems because now we're going to be able to find weapons more easily. I was just about to ask you guys, what do you guys think about the new loot on Erangel? Hallelujah. It's nice. It's funny that we're on the second loot rebalance. As if like the bone they threw us wasn't enough, and they're like, "Okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll we'll turn it up more." Jesus, quit yelling at us. I don't know why PUBG Corp is just an old grouchy man who lives in a, like a suburb. But anyway, I I've seen a lot of anecdotal evidence swaying this one way or the other, whether or not this is good or it's bad. I I think that the game is still based on the philosophy of four bad games, one good game. I mean, increase the loot all you want, but I don't know. I've not put enough time into it to really say one way or the other definitively that this is a better change. Are you for real? Have you played it at all? I've played a couple games, dude. I'm sorry. I think what Griff is trying to say is he's not sure if it's a better change for the overall feel on air. Yeah, for the meta. Like, will the meta change in a good or bad way? And, you know, how does it does it still feel like Sandhawk where you're going to have best loot? Leaving one spot, that kind of remains to be seen. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, remember when they were going to put a bunch of buildings on Erangel and people got like super salty about it? <laughs> like, I don't know. There's, I don't think there's any way to please people personally. I think the game has been one way for so long. How do you hit enough people? You know, you're only having, you only have to look at the public group. You don't have to balance this for competitive. Mike, I know we said no tangents, but this is a very short but important one that I think people need to realize when it comes to consumerism, uh, capitalism, markets, the way all these things sort of balance themselves. And I know everybody's heard the thing about the the vocal minority, that like if you had a million players playing your game, if a thousand of them were the ones complaining about it online, then that's the narrative for all the problems in the game. I think PUBG's subreddit is a really great example of this is all the shit that's wrong with the game, but millions of people play it don't complain one iota probably don't even know the damn subreddit exists and enjoy the game perfectly fine for the way it is i look at it the same way of your cell phone company i can't tell you a single time in my entire life i have called at&t or sprint or verizon and been like hey just want to let you know uh my phone's still working and the service is super dope and i'm glad that you guys exist keep doing what you're doing I only call when I have a problem. And so I think all these things just get compounded on one another. And people think that, oh, this game has all these problems and, you know, the loot sucks and it's constantly crashing for everybody. Dude, my experience with the game has always been super positive. And everything that people have always complained about has not really been my sentiment. And so it it's difficult when you see PUBG making good changes. Don't get me wrong. They are very good changes, but... I'm afraid that they're going to continue down a path where they start pandering to the minority of the community because they were the loudest and the most vocal. I tend to agree with you, and I don't think this is a bad tangent. This change to a couple of points you made 
if you take it at the 10,000 foot view, is raising the skill floor on Erangel. It's giving every player that drops a better chance of having quote-unquote endgame gear no matter where they drop, which gives people a better chance of winning a fight in the early, mid, and late game because it's going to be more equal. What remains to be seen and what I'm trying to pay attention to is are people having fun when everybody has the same gear? Or is it, oh cool, this loot is great, but everybody has the same loot and I'm always dying from somebody with a Mini 14 with the 4X every single round now. I still want to have PUBG moments. I think that's the biggest thing. I I still want to have moments where I do get a crazy kill on somebody early because we landed right next to each other. And I had to shoot them with the shotgun. Yeah. But at the same point, if if I land in a pretty hot place and I'm coming out, you know, after a minute of looting and I still have, you know, I've hit like four small little grandma's houses or something. I don't want to come out of there with nothing at that point. The one house and fight kind of loot, I, you know, that's still the PUBG moment. That is what I still want to be there. You know, when I drop in Lapoka and we land in the house, these little tiny houses next to each other, like... I'm going to go after you with whatever I found. But if we loot a whole apartment and I come out and I have, you know, a little pea shooter and you have an AK, I'm going to be pretty upset because that's a little, we just like race each other to the bottom and I found nothing. That would be annoying. I agree. That's, that's where they need to make the change and the correction. It's sort of a race to the middle. You know, like you said, like giving everybody even ground and even footing right off the bat. It's like, well, then really the guys that survived, I understand this is going to be kind of controversial, but the guys that survived won because, you know, they just outwon the gunfight. But it, it seems antithetical to the original design of the map and the game itself, where it was like, yeah, getting to the end and surviving took a lot of steps to get there versus, oh, well, everybody land, got an assault rifle and may the best guy win. It, that's good and bad. I don't know. I feel like Sandhawk was designed differently on purpose. And I've always appreciated the way Aaron Gale sort of forced you to be like, all right, you ran in a building and all you got was a pistol. Figure it out, dude. You have the tools to win. It's just much harder to do it. Like the other guys got power tools and I've got a fucking hand crank drill over here trying to make holes in my piece of wood. And he's already like just putting screws in left and right. Like it's the same work can be done. It's just more difficult, but it, it, it challenges you as a player to be proficient with every gun and, and try to figure out like, okay, these are my early game situations. This is the guns I have. Now I have to play this completely differently than I would if I had an assault rifle or, or a DMR or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I agree. So it's basically if you go through five houses or a full giant building like the apartment buildings that happen to be on there, you should have a gun. But there's still got to be those one house moments. And the point where you're saying, like, you know, it still has to be rewarded with something for using those smaller guns, like, it's kind of a good thing that this loot buff on Erangel comes at the same exact time as this weapon mastery system. So if you did still own somebody with a pistol who happened to have a DP-28, you feel like a badass still, and you're rewarded for it a little bit extra too. Which brings to like another point, I guess, just like initial reactions to how the loot actually has felt so far. I haven't gotten to do too much, but I followed the model that Basic Bro showed me. So he did test server. I couldn't really get too many test servers in. But he did the test server, and he landed in Georgia Pool on my most avoided spot, those three big apartment buildings. Because it, traditionally, you'll loot them, and you don't have more than one okay gun 
without the things you need. So he landed there and showed me him coming out and getting a couple different things going that were really, you know, he got, I think he got a mini and an M4 and he had his site, but that was after looting three full floors and the roof, you know, that's like fair in my opinion. So I did the same thing and I found an AK and I found a mutant with a 4X and a hollow and that was it. Still pretty bare bones, still level ones you know, for vest and helmet. And I was able to go out and fight the guy next to me. That's a lot better than they used to be though, because those, in my opinion, were the most inefficient looting spots on the entire map. I mean, you had ostensibly four floors of loot and you could walk out empty handed. You would have to loot all three of those buildings to get what you just described out of one. Mm-hmm. That's where I feel like they're, they're getting a, a good balance there now. You loot one of those, it should feel like a building that should have a lot of loot. And now it kind of rewards that. So now you don't have to just go, I'm going back six or you know front three. You can go in the middle too, and you'll have more teams in a condensed area, I think, which should be interesting. Well, and I think they could, they need to find a way to retune certain buildings. I mean, it's because kind of like on, you know, Miramar people, that building got the term God building because per volume, those little building complexes had the best loot. Uh, the same on Erangel when you look at like the mansion apartment, you know, like you mentioned Georgia Pool, there's front six and back six. And I think those apartments exist spread across all over the map. Those are the best compounds to loot because the loot density in each one of them. And it's always decent stuff, too. Like, I'm never having to worry about whether or not I'm going to find something. I feel like every one of those I go into, I got something at least good. I don't know why they have those huge buildings and they don't tune them a little bit differently. Knowing that there's other buildings that hardly have anything in them whatsoever. And then some that do. It just It just seems weird. Well, I think that's part of the fix. Heathy and um, and Trigger, what, what have your initial reactions been based on the three or four games that you got? How's it feeling? I was worried it was going to stop people from wanting to go from one compound to the next because, it, you know, like it used to be so slim, the loot, that you would do your whole compound and you'd get in a vehicle and you'd drive to the next one. And and that's where a lot of the fun of Erangel used to happen is in those transitions. But that's a really good point. Last night I dropped in, got two SLRs at the start. And I thought, well, this is kind of a PUBG moment. You know, I'm using... Two SLRs on iron sights. Yeah, that, that's it's that's like finding a shotgun equivalent. You know, like you, you've got this great gun, but you can't use it properly. And then I found it going through this whole town I was in. There was no sights at all, so I still had to drive to the next compound to look for a sight. Providing they don't give you everything you need in one house, you're still going to get that you know risk first reward. Yeah, you're going to get that big budget item, but it might not have all the things you need to make a movie. You know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of ordered Weapon Mastery and Erangel on our notes this way for a reason, because what you said, Heath, was exactly the way I felt when I was thinking about the Erangel loot. Like, oh my gosh, this is going to incentivize campers like crazy. But after playing and thinking about the way they released this patch, I think releasing Weapon Mastery at the same time as the Erangel loot buff was very intentional and it was brilliant because everybody wants to be getting defeats, headshots, and damage right now. Mm-hmm. So there's more loot, there's more guns, there's better loot, and there's incentive to get kills right now, which has made Erangel in the little bit of experience that I've had very, very fun. People are moving around, they're shooting, and there's very little camping going on. So I felt the same way as you did, but the actual implementation of this, I think, was brilliant. I think now the only thing they need to do is uh, update the circles. The, the phase shift is phase shifts. Wow, I can't talk. Shift us. Shift us. Update the phase shift us. 
Um, so that way they're not kind of dragging in the mid game the way they kind of are still now. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that's remaining to be seen. I think as the loot distribution kind of defines the new meta on that map, it's going to be the next thing, like you said. They'll figure out what they need to do with the circle speed and placement and size once they see how people like to play with all of the assault rifles running around. Poor to God, they're eventually just going to take it all to competitive settings and they're going to be like, uh, told you? Like, why didn't you just do this in the first place? <laughs> Like, that's exactly where it's inching. It seems like everyone's like, even though it's a casual game, it's a pub game. We're okay with playing the way the pros do. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how that happens because, you know, Basic brought it up too. He said, I'm really interested to see if people are going to take more of those kind of steps and have these more strategic areas that they're trying to pick and hold, but still fight and get kills. And I think all these things put together should just, it should really make for an interesting thing. that will be fun to like check in on every, you know, week or two for these next few as we get started. Uh, but there's too much to, that remains to be seen from one day really playing it. Because right. everyone knows test servers don't show anything because no one plays it. Right. So moving on to the sniper rifle update, I have to issue an apology for all of you who love your bolt action sniper rifles they have been nerfed and the winnie whatever who cares i'm mad about the winnie i'm mad about the winnie nerf that shouldn't have happened that should have been it's a miscellaneous gun they don't even know how to call it It is the bastard child of PUBG, and it's treated with no respect that gun has like what one two three skins blah 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 winchester whatever so they they reduced the sr multiplier for uh, torso shots from 150% down to 130%, and then specifically they decreased the base damage of the AWM from 120 to 105. So what that means for those of you that seek out these guns is that they do slightly less damage when hitting chest shots, and the AWM will no longer kill players who have full health while wearing a level 2 vest. Thank you. Except for ch- neck shots. Neck shots will still kill, which is fine because your vest is not there. And try fighting me without a trachea, okay? Can I just take one second? So we talked about it when we did our little paradise thing about the snipers, knowing that it was coming, but we didn't know what was going to happen. And we read off the results, but there was still a few days left on winter. And I just wanted to check out what happened on Twitter. And I just want to say you're the worst to everyone who voted because we now have final scores, 24 votes, and we have... 33% revert to 1.1, 33% nerfed to 1.25, and then 34% left at the current 1.5. So clearly it's actually just a full three, three-way three split, and they just gave 34 to the one. That is just ridiculous. But anyone who voted for nerf to 1.25, you win the Jeopardy round or whatever where you have to be closest. So That's the price is right. It's okay. It's a game show in America. Yeah, the price is wrong, bitch. Poor thing. Somebody was never sick in middle school. Yeah, I just didn't watch that. See, that's the joke, because if you were ever sick in elementary school or middle school, you'd stay home from school. That was the only time that The Price is Right was on TV. I can't talk to you, Kevin. You probably didn't even eat Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Dude, chunky chicken noodle soup and chunk. Dude, oh, Mari and and Springer on, and I gotta be I gotta be a bad kid and watch the the bullshit. Chunky, yeah, chunky chicken noodle. I want to go home. Are you trying to say that Wheel of Fortune is the adult stuff? No, 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 Jerry Springer. Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> I used to go to a bar that would have Jerry Springer slappy hour, and it was like uh, half price drinks. 
That great. sounds great. Sounds like a good crowd that would get pulled in there. Well, since we're talking about miscellaneous game shows <laughs> and television from the late 90s and early 2000s, let's talk about the other miscellaneous changes from this patch. I'm going to rattle them off, and then if there's one that you think is particularly important for people to know about, let's chat about it. So uh, there were some smoke grenade changes. The smoke grenade duration is now the same for you, your enemy, and the observers. Basically, every item in the game now has its own sound when you pick it up. You can now see the boost gauge for your teammates when you're playing in duos and squads, so you can see how much boost they have. That just feels like this weird babysitting thing that doesn't need to be there. I disagree, but we're going to come back to it. Survivor Pass had the difficulty reduced for a number of missions, as well as some completely taken out. They've removed some doors to make movement easier, question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is now new vehicle effects with lighting and suspension sounds to all of the vehicles. If you are in observer mode, there are now smoke timers, so you can see how long a smoke is going to last while observing a custom game. Hmm. Yeah, and if you're looking at that, you're thinking about what that's going to look like. It's not like a 9, 8, 7. It's going to be a smoke symbol like the lungs are for lung capacity and that'll just get depleted and then go away so it won't be like overwhelming when you're watching competitive but it'll be there for you to see there are new skins which we've already alluded to so there's a bunch of new skins in the store i think that's something we should talk about real quick namely the price okay so screw rattling them off because you guys can't let me do it (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't matter there's a couple people got some things but the price the price is wrong again all right so what do you want to talk about the fact that it costs 63 dollars to get all the streamer things that's ridiculous what did you say it was how much 63 if you want to get all of shroud j9 choco taco and wacky jacky things if you just want to support all of them it will cost you 63 dollars 63 dollars that's a lot. If we're being fair, J9 doesn't need skins. I said it. Say what you want. Don't at me. Think you're out of your mind? I like J9. I love J9, but he has no business getting skins right now. I can't remember the last time he even played PUBG. I think it's all contract based on like Twitch Rivals or something, isn't it? I guess, but that's that's just it's stupid. I don't know when they make those decisions, but they were so long ago. Like They feel irrelevant and antiquated at this point. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm totally happy for the guy. I, I think he deserves everything that he's gotten. But there are so many other players that I feel grind this game out on the daily that have not gotten the same level of respect and recognition that they certainly deserve. I mean, Wacky Jackie just now got a weapon skin. Shroud has three. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been some marketing dollars, you know, and marketing decisions that are based on purely who the person is and and who they attract. 100%. And that's a little unfair. Yeah. I mean, there's people who who commanded large audiences who would have had a lot of people buy things who also didn't get them. And some of them have moved on as well. I would have loved to have seen a vision skin with his color that he has in his things. He uses that like yellow to pink kind of thing. That would have been a sweet skin. This could have gotten a skin. He never got love. There's a lot of people Mm -mm. who needed the love, right? And those guys aren't even there playing every day. So I understand what you mean. You know, why is he getting it late like this? But either way, I can't afford to get his clothes because I can't even, I'm not even going to try and buy the mutant right now. 
They're ten dollars for every weapon skin. It's a little much. For a parachute, I only use it to get the game going. So it just look cool for about twenty to thirty seconds, and then the thing's gone. I need to pay ten dollars for that. Five, five is a little much. I'll do it. I think things like right. that and the scarves and whatever should be like three bucks, as they did for the shoes. I was gonna say there is no excuse. Everybody should own those Chaco high tops. They're th- they're two ninety nine in the store. One hundred percent, go buy those. Real quick to kind of like. I don't know, put a bow on this. The one thing I will say is, yes, it is unfortunate how expensive that these skins are, but everybody should spend their money the way they see fit. I don't have a ton of money, but I looked at this as an opportunity to go. I was one of the people that for over a year and some change said, Chaco Taco deserves skins. I can't wait till he gets them. Bro, when you get these skins, I'll buy them immediately. And then the day finally comes and I'm like, all right, got to put up or shut up. You know, I got to prove that I'm a man of my word. And I went out and I spent $25. I bought the shoes, the parachute and the barrel. Three things I had no need for. But to me, that was a cause worth supporting because of how long I felt this weird, nerdy injustice against the guy because he put in more time, more consistent time, came back to the game faster than everybody else did, and has always been the biggest champion of PUBG, in my opinion. To see him finally get the recognition that he deserves in-game, immortalized through in-game content, it's worth $25 to me. I'll spend it every day. Every day. I mean, I get I get what you mean. I bought the barrel skin. I got the VSS skin. I'm probably going to end up with that really sick parachute. It's the nicest one I've seen. Right. Point is, is if it was $5 and maybe a little bit less for things like, you know, even the parachute was five bucks, I'd buy it. But like, and then the other things are three. Then I, I buy every single piece of streamer loot this round. No questions asked. With $10 a piece, I'm like, do I even need the mutant? Like, how often will I really be rocking it? Like, I like that gun, but will I feel forced to use it just because of that skin? Like, I already have Weapon Master to make me want to use weapons, but do I need $10 for that? Am I, am I, is it really going to be like a daily driver? Did I need to look nice? Like, I really always wanted to support Wacky. I couldn't see myself having a different PSS skin. I don't see myself needing anything other than a Chaco barrel. The Mutant's just not a gun that's, like, something I'm using that often or I get that much, like, glee from. It's just a, it's just one of the other guns. It just comes with those things, and it's like, you know, and the clothes for J9, it's just like, ah, there's, you know, there's clothes, like, and they cost a lot of money for a clothing item. I don't even see it in FPP. So that's where I get kind of like, eh. I don't know. Yeah, that's even worse. Play FPP with uh, no character render on in the tab screen. <laughs> You'll never like, appreciate it, yeah. Yeah, like I, I will literally only ever see this in the lobby. And I don't mean the lobby waiting for the plane on the map. I'm like in the game UI lobby. That's it. Fuck yeah, dude. So they need forearm tattoos. Say it again for the people in the people back. Buckets for those. <laughs> Let's get some tats, dude. Winner, winner, tat. Let's go. Every map's got a prison, dude. Why not? Yeah, I want to get like some like hand skins, just some crazy hand tattoos. Or rings or a watch. So all I can see is my own arms. If I wear a sleeveless shirt, I wouldn't even know I had a shirt on. Give me a scooter that like falls over. <laughs> Hell yeah. Mm, got Ooh. him. Zip it up, baby. What's the next topic? We're done with that. I'm just roll back to the smoke duration thing. No, Two Heath. One. I'm just kidding. What? <laughs> what? You get to talk nothing for 20 minutes. It's my turn. Um, I didn't realize 
smoke duration was different for everybody before, like different viewpoints. I think it was some sort of visual bug or some sort of visual inconsistency that they didn't really prioritize. That explains a lot of why I kept getting killed in the smoke. But And the second thing is that spectator mode and timer icon that depletes will be showed. It seems a bit redundant to show an icon that is a picture of smoke depleting next to smoke that is depleting. Like it's yeah, but when like when it goes down by a percentage amount, it seems like it just really loses a full layer of texture, right? So to know that that's coming from a viewer's standpoint, it probably helps you think about you know the actual timing and and if they threw multiple that are like in the like chains, like I'm thinking back to the Ibiza moment when he threw like five, so you know when the end one's gonna go away, and and I, I can see it being helpful, and it's only in. It's yeah. only for spectators, and it's going to be, like I said, it's not like an obtrusive or intrusive kind of UI element. It's it's going to be just there. You'll see it, but it won't take up. It's on your screen. Nope. I'm with Heath. I think it's stupid as shit. The the duration? <laughs> Timer? <laughs> yeah, I do. I think it's pointless. I mean, we'll see it. We'll see it in the next Face It tournament and stuff, which was really fun to watch if you watched any of I it. I can't tell if he's trolling or not. No. I think it's. I think I'm with Heath. I think it's incredibly redundant and unnecessary. I've, I've swapped sides. I'm on my own. I think it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's why I think it's a really good thing. In the end of the game, or in key rotations, in competitive play, which is when people are observing, mm-hmm. or in competitive scrims, whatever, smokes are probably the most widely used tactical grenade that you have. Okay. I would submit that most casual players have no idea how to use them to their greatest potential. No, but go on. So I think by adding the observer element to them, it's going to teach people how to use smokes, how to move in between them, and how to know what they're looking for. Because when you're watching pro matches, there's smokes everywhere. Yeah. But you really don't understand why, when, where. You know it's cover. But I think knowing how long they last is going to lead to like, okay, I know where to look now. So I need to look between these two smokes because this one's about to go away. And this one still has full duration. So this guy has to get from this one to this one before that runs out. Otherwise, he's going to be open from this angle. Yeah. You can now think that in a, in a just a little quick second versus, oh, now that smoke's gone. You miss the tactical play when you don't know exactly what smoke came first. And if you think about observer mode, especially in a tournament setting, they're jumping all over the place. And sometimes they come in the middle of a fight and you have no idea how long that smoke's been there. So it makes me think of watching the way that Overwatch League kind of came out. You know, when I was getting into watching the different teams, like the Fusion for me is the team I was watching. And it was very interesting to watch because I was still playing Overwatch a bit at that time and I wasn't super hard on the ranks or anything like that but it was really interesting the way that they had certain ui elements and the way the announcers would break things down and i was able to take competitive games in the tactics and apply it to mine so to trigger's point being able to like see and more fully understand the length of time that you have and, and the way you play with the time and how long you have to heal and then move on and if you have to throw uh smoke again in between your first aid and then throw the smoke and then pick up and start going with the painkillers, is that the order that you know will give you the success so that you don't get stuck taking the painkillers or throwing the next smoke while your other's gone, right? So it just helps you think in those you know ordered steps as to how I handle this oh shit situation where three teams or two teams are looking at me. 
and that's just what, what came to mind when Trigger started going on his his point to it. Did you, did you avoid saying tangent then? Yeah, because it wasn't really a tangent. He was he was kind of wrapping it up. <laughs> he was trying to wrap it up. Yeah. Griff, are you going to stay in your corner over there? Are you going to come join us? No, one hundred percent stupidest <laughs> fucking thing they added to this game. All right, that's everything though with the new patch, right? Pretty much. I mean, there's a few random bug fixes, but honestly, I would just encourage uh, any of our listeners who's curious. There wasn't any real major ones. I don't know about that. The notification delay for knocks and defeats. That was smoke is pretty sweet. <laughs> <sighs> but no, the notification delay for knocks and defeats and kills was really annoying. And I know it's gotten me killed in a few situations. Mm. Sure. So that being fixed is huge. I think I thirsted people often because I thought they were just laying down, like going prone. Right. But they were actually very dead. Or you pull away from a kill because you're like thinking they're pretty dead and you haven't had that notification pop up, but you're used to that notification being late. And then they actually pump that last bullet into you. All right. So there are a couple of bigger bug fixes, but for the most part, fixing a visual issue preventing belts from being visible when wearing a fur coat. Couldn't give two fucks about that one. So what I was about to say is uh, definitely encourage all of our listeners to go read the patch notes um, on PUBG.com, patch number 28. Uh, yeah, read through it and let us know what your feedback is. I mean, we'd love to hear about it like in the Discord, whether or not these are good fixes, bad fixes, what else they'd like to see fixed. Also, whether or not smoke UI indicators are fucking dumb. Uh, come die on that hill with I me. I knew you were just trying to see if people would agree with you. Circling back around. At Grifflicious, uh, we can we can be friends. I'm I'm done. I'm done now. All right, boys. Let's get into this week's tactical talk. So perhaps one of the most important parts of the game, or the part of the game that people avoid due to its random nature, is early engagements. Now, obviously, if you're hot dropping, this is a critical piece, but what we're really talking about here is winning the first area you drop in. So if you like to drop in an area that has one or two teams dropping there, you know, think Primorsk, think Lakawi, Mount Kresnik, normally a couple teams max drop there. There is definitely some application in addition to just the hot and just outside hot drops. So gentlemen, here is my question to you. What are your top tips or strategies that you use during early engagements to come out alive? Trigger, why don't you lead us off? So I'm going to stick with some that I think are really, maybe don't seem super important, but I think uh, by critical seconds. So the first one, learning how to tab loot. I think oftentimes I will get kills specifically at Paradise, where I've been dropping a lot, just by getting my gun reloaded, or getting it loaded initially, faster than the person that dropped near me. And if you are looking down and using, I think it's F as the default key to pick stuff up off the ground, it works, but you're adding seconds onto the amount of time it takes before you have ammo in that gun. So the first step is really learning how to open up your inventory 
and drag the guns and the ammo in so that you can reload really fast. There is an advanced technique while doing this, which is actually right-clicking and then dragging the item above it very fast because you will actually loot them both at the same time due to the UI lag. So that's really the first main point that I would say is make sure you are being very effective with your loot. And I also think it's really important to learn how to do this because it keeps your camera raised high. I can't tell you how many people I've watched play that die while they're looking down at the ground and only like a third of their screen could even possibly see an enemy. Whereas if you're tab looting, you're still remaining at the same level where you would actually shoot somebody. It's milliseconds and seconds adding on just looting. To piggyback on what you're saying here, the couple of games that I got to play today, looting feels super fluid. I don't know if anybody else has experienced this yet, but I'm all about tab looting and I click and drag everything. Uh, I don't really do the right click and then drag method. I just never really learned it, but just straight up click and dragging. It was super fast and super fluid. Felt like I was just picking stuff up instantly. I don't know if anybody else felt like that at all. You know, now that you mention it, I did feel like I was seeing loot spawned in a little bit earlier and I was having a very easy time looting. And to your point, that, that right click and then dragging is a very technical way to loot and it's only going to gain you milliseconds. But the difference in learning how to drag loot versus picking it up off the ground is massive. Huge. Uh, sorry, if you want to one two with our points here, no, trigger. I think we can we can, we jump can bounce forward. around. Go for yeah, it. Cool. Um, yeah, cool. Threat prioritization. I find a big one. You see a lot of people chase down the guy with no gun, and in squads, this is a particularly dangerous thing to do because you're chasing one guy out of four. The other three have probably got weapons, which leads me to my next point, which is a technique my squad has. We call it the firing squad baiting. So you just call firing squad. If you've got no gun and you're in a room, some other guy's clearly got the gun, and you just bounce and you yell to your squad, firing squad, and you run to and then someone in your squad's got a call that they have a gun, come to me, and you run to them and they wait on the corner or a door or a window or whatever, and you run past them and then they just step out and blast the idiot that's chasing you. And it, and it works. It's It's a fantastic technique. Do any of you guys do this with your squads? Uh, sort of, but not to that extent. But yeah, 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 something very similar. The play call I expect you to call way more now, and I'm pissed that you held off in all the games we played. Yeah, yeah, I just let you get killed. It was funny. <laughs> all right, we're we're gonna run more firing squad maneuvers. I like that. Yeah, it's good fun. You, you feel like a boss too. And you know, there's not really any. I don't. I don't find it fun shooting people that don't have guns. I played a game last night. It was solo, and this guy ran at me. It, we, we were the only people in this town, and he ran at me like with no gun ready to punch me and I clearly had a gun like I had M16 I shot it at him once and then I saw he didn't have a gun and I actually got on the comms and said just go and get a gun and come back and he, he didn't reply but I just turned around and walked away and he, and he ran to the nearest building jumped in the window and then seconds later I was getting shot at with, a, with an M9 pistol what kind of monster are you kills a kill yeah it sounds like you're playing this game wrong <laughs> it's not fun but yeah and even even with the pistol like he didn't he didn't even think about it. He just went straight to the window and shot me back with a pistol. And I felt like Arnold Schwarzenegger picking up a little kid by the collar, you know, in Kindergarten Cop. And I'm like, what are you, just go and get a better gun. Yeah, man. You're, it sounds like you're playing with your food. 
I have gotten kills on people with better guns than me with a pistol, and it feels great. I've also just punched out people who picked up that gun and took some time to reload while I did, you know, five punches, and then they hit me once, and then I dipped to the right, and I still punched them out. So that's great. There's still that like never give up mentality. So I, I don't yeah. know. I kind of respect the other guy, and I'm wondering why you're just trying to mess with that guy's head. To be honest, at that point, you just gotta clap him in the butt cheeks and just be like, "Sucks to be you, nerd," and then. <laughs> go on with your day i mean there's really nothing you can do that was that was the lord's will and you were you facilitated that you know that moment when you both run for a gun i like to grab the ammo oh my god (laughs) because no because they're standing there with a gun it's the greatest fucking feeling ever but anyway the firing squad's always fun firing squad is a good really good i've never heard anyone like give it a name but that's a great maneuver and i want to try it now excellent what do you got for us kev you were saying like you know if you find a gun that you feel comfortable with i kind of think if you land somewhere that's small like a small little house say you're in uh pachinki and you both land in like a really tiny little house even if you don't have a good gun you need to take the you know the offensive usually unless you find no gun so even if you find a pistol while that guy's still trying to check every last little room in one of those little two stories you should be in his building hitting him before he's able to even post up. So just like, if you found a pistol, turn around and go back for the guy. I find that to be maybe not the highest rate, but it's it's a good way to push it to the point where you at least have the mental advantage, and that's something that I tend to try and do. But that's only on like the hottest of drops. I don't know if that's like the best recommended for those more medium drops. Yeah, so this is something that I think is really important to keep in mind especially when it comes to helms and vests in the early game. One of the most common things I see when I'm playing in duos or squads with people I haven't played before is they will commonly get a gun and a helm, and then they'll be like, I need a vest. And then it takes 30 to 40 seconds of them running around scavenging for a vest, which if there was two teams that landed in that area, both teams are scrambling for loot. So if in the first house you find a gun and a helm and then you spend another 40 seconds just looking for the vest, you're giving the opportunity to the other team to get comfortable as well. Odds are that somebody on their team is scrambling as well or multiple people. So if you come out of your first place that you loot and you're near the enemy and you have reasonable stuff like you found an M4 and a vest, don't run around for 50 seconds trying to find a helm because there may be two people on the other team that don't have a vest or a helm and they've got an uzi there's so much to be gained by taking the fight to them and making them react because the other side of it is be honest how many of you guys have you you know you heard someone running to you and you're sitting there with a shotgun and you're like i do not want to take this fight my team is on the other side of this complex I got to get out of here. And then you get shot in the back and you cry and you have to wait the whole round for them to be dead. Yep. In either way, whoever gets and opens that first knock puts the other team on their heels, right? And now you're not thinking just about how do I make the right play on the team? It's how do I move closer to my teammate and avoid them getting thirsted and avoid ruining a game right away. So their clear, like their clear head is already clouded by I have to save you. 
So it puts them in a bad position. So if you're not ready for it, you know, one, you would want to call out that you're going for that. You, you have to take the fight, but you want to be the one to take the fight, not have the fight thrust upon you. Those are the situations where you tend to lose. And I guess that goes to my point of like my idea of grabbing one little gun and running right at somebody would probably only work in a situation where you can force the 1v1. So obviously it would work in solos to just turn around and go after that guy and kill him with whatever. Because even if you found another weapon, if you're fast enough, he's might, he might not even be ready to use it. So you would want to chase them only if you can get that good 1v1 and you think you can probably take him to avoid the firing squad that he's going. So kind of like the way we're, we're bouncing around here. I think as we were talking about Nox in the early game, you know, in a situation where you have knocked an enemy, I know that it feels really good to thirst right now, but if you're in squads or duos, one of the things I've been seeing really advanced squads take advantage of is just shooting one bullet into that downed person because it makes you think completely differently if you're that down person or if you have a, if you're on the team of the down person where if that person's calling their comms out saying they're thirsting they're going to kill me right it can make you react really poorly so use that downed person to your advantage they're not they don't have a full minute or whatever 100 seconds or something to wait for you to make the play either they're, you know, they're like well now I'm at 50% you're going to have to move, so it still puts them in this shitty forced offensive, right? Where, like I said, they're not thinking clearly. Yeah, so they're down a man. He's giving some sort of comms, so they're getting a little bit of additional information. But if you reposition and use it to your advantage, you've got the numbers, and now you've just changed the name of the game where they're really focused on getting some quick kills because they don't want to lose a guy. And we've all been in squads. We do not want to lose a guy early in the game. Because then we have to have the whole conversation of should we back out or who's got a grenade. Like you want your whole team to survive. Yeah, especially we, I know we run a lot of three-man squads. So you lose one and now you're really in a, in a bad position. You can probably, I can see it being harder to say like, yeah, we'll all quit when you do have the fight end and you see some nice loot on the down guys and you have that one person who's like, can you restart? It's like, no, there, there's only 40 people left on Sandhawk. I'm going to keep moving. It's it's interesting. That one bullet, I think, is a good, pretty good rule. We should try that and report back. I've got a cool point here that I've only started recently doing is listening for the reload. So when you are, say, in paradise and there's someone on the other side of the wall, you've both just landed, you know, parachutes are deflating. You've snatched up your gun. And as people, we assume that whatever we're doing, the guy next to us is doing the same thing. So I've found a gun. I've found a helmet. I'm assuming he has too. But you can hear when someone reloads a gun within, I don't know what the distance is, five or ten meters? You can actually hear them click that magazine into the gun. And quite often now I've, I've realized, oh, wow, they don't have a gun. You know, like, mm -hmm. That's why they're running away, <laughs> usually. But Who would have thought? Yeah, you, you, can, you can drop that fear. Yeah, and if you're doing that early push on them, right, and you already have reloaded, and you start to hear that reload animation, that's the exact time you need to peek on them and push them. You know, if you can get that one bullet, just one bullet off, even if they're ready to shoot you in the face, say they're ADSing or even if they start shooting immediately, you've already got one bullet in them. If you're trading evenly with almost any gun, you're going to get the knock. So that's like, the, that's the end because it's multiple noises over a second or a second and a half usually 
that's the second that you have to make the move. So that's a really, that's a nice one. Yeah, and audio cues are such a critical piece in the beginning. When you're dropping into a location, especially with multiple other people or other squads, one of the things to really work on if you're trying to learn an area is to take count of the number of people that are dropping into that area and then paying attention to the kill feed. Who's shooting where? You know, if you knew six people dropped in in solos outside of you and you're paying attention to the kill feed and you know two die, but you know which section of the location that they died in, having that knowledge and knowing where to look is critical. Added bonus that you shouldn't think about maybe right away if you're trying to learn that would also be to pay attention to the gun noises and types of gun that you're hearing go off and then seeing in the kill feed which gun won. So now you know, you know, you might have heard a pistol and the, you know, QBZ going off, but you don't know which one they both stopped firing at the same time. But if you see the pistols up there, you may be like, oh, I can push. But if you saw the QBZ, you're like, by the time I get over there, he's reloaded. And I still only have a shotgun. So it's just, that's another thing. If you can also think about, I heard that gun, I see that gun in the kill feed. That is who that is. That's where they are. That's the fight's over. It helps you know when you can now move, make your next move a little a little more assuredly. And I like too the fact that you can hear people metting as well within, you know, proximity. Yeah. And that's a bug fix, actually. Because it used to, it got a little too loud with 27. Right. Well, and here's the thing. If you hear somebody metting, do not engage them right away. Put them in a pickle. What I mean by that is let the clock run for just a couple of seconds because then they now have to make a decision. Do I have enough time to finish this med pack or do I have to stop and deal with the person pushing me? Because it's right away, it's like, oh, well, okay, I've invested a second and a half of time. No big deal. I'll cancel this and I'll shoot the guy coming at me. But if it takes eight seconds to put that first aid to use and they've only got three seconds left, they've got a decision to make. Now they got to figure some shit out and you can really use that to your advantage. That's a good point. What do you do? Do you finish the men or do you go and shoot them? I, I shoot them. What would you say? Five seconds. I shoot them. I don't give a shit. All right. So I got a question for you on this topic. If you knock somebody and it, and you know a teammate is resing them, what is the minimum amount of time in the current patch if the knocked person has a first aid kit that they are back to 75 health? For uh, 18 seconds. So that includes them being resed and then taking the med kit. Oh, that's correct. Well, plus another two seconds, almost damn near 20 seconds. <laughs> Right. So there's always going to be, there's still a delay, right? You got to, you got to position yourself a little bit and get that lead. You might have to pick up the first aid. Wait a second. Mike, is that a trick question? Did you already know? I had a rough idea. Oh. I actually didn't know, but I was thinking about it because of what you guys said. Gotcha. And as we're talking about knocking people and hearing people met up, one of the things that happens more often than not is if it's a squad, and you knock somebody, there's 15 to 20 seconds where that person is effectively useless. In PUBG, it's a lifetime. Or they're, it's a long time. I mean, you can run across most areas in 15 seconds. So when it's early and you get a knock, 
don't let the other team reposition met up and get back to an even fight. Take advantage of numbers. Take advantage of information that you know. If you know someone's knocked and there was somebody else there, you now have a pretty good idea that there's two enemies in a pretty confined little area and one of them is working on getting healed up and not necessarily worried about shooting back. That brings up a good point about getting a good trade. So that's a topic that's been coming up a lot if you've been watching Hambino and Swagger and Chaco and, and Halifax is those guys will play together. And even if it's just duos, if they can push a team together at the same exact time and they get one guy knocked, but they're so overwhelming in their force, they get the full kills and they go to pick up their buddy and they both are just sitting there laughing going, good trade, good trade, right? Because they already had the initialized fight with the knock and now they're overwhelming force. You only have one guy who's, yeah, now he's down a tick on his knocks, but you won the fight. So the idea of having a good trade, those concentrated pushes, is something that you should do early game and take that mindset through all game if you have the opportunity. Yeah, so I actually had this happen to me on a boot camp drop, and it was a different scenario. It wasn't a 2v2. It was a 1v2, and I had a great position on the stairs, but the team I was going up against basically had one of them jump out the window, and then they pushed me at the exact same time. One from the bottom of the stairs, one from the top of the stairs, I knocked the guy from the bottom of the stairs, but because of their timing, there was no way that I could turn around and kill both of them. So they made a calculated play to charge me at the same time, knowing that I might knock one of them, because I heard them coming. They're sprinting at me, which I did, but I wouldn't have time to thirst or kill both of them. So really good point there, Kev. That's a great, great strategy is to time your pushes. So the last two points that I have for early engagements are sort of generic overall like gameplay things that you need to keep in mind for the whole game, but they're even more important in the early game. The first one is very simple. Do not re-peek. Don't do it. Do not give them the same angle that you just had. What I mean is if you're peeking out of a window... At the very least, peek out of the other side of the window. But generally speaking, people will take the info that they had on you and be focused on that area. So if you peeked the left side of a building, they're going to be thinking you may come back at the left side. Reposition. Make them move their mouse. Make them re-aim. If they hit a good shot, they hit a good shot. But do not give people the same angle on you. Yeah, certainly don't make it easier for them if you can help it. I think I've been overestimating my enemies a bit too much lately. For instance, a guy peeked me over a ridge and I shot him in the face straight away. Felt good, but didn't kill him. So he, and he ducked back down and I knew he was metting, but he was a good distance away, maybe 40 metres. So I grabbed my grenade. I would have, if I were him, run along below the ridge to a different place. So that's what I assumed he would do. There was some good cover. So I threw the grenade at that and then he just stood up again right where I left him before. Yeah. <laughs> they, people generally do just keep repeating the same spot. Well, and it's really easy to do. I mean, the reason why this is a tip for winning early engagements is because most people will use the knowledge they have. Like, oh, I peeked this guy, I saw this guy here, he took a shot, I took a shot. I think I know where he's going to be. 
well, if they're holding that angle, they're going to win. Right. I do that all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this from the standpoint that I do it well all the time. It's just generally when you change the battlefield just a little bit, you take control and maybe you gain a little bit of an advantage or you reduce your disadvantage. It comes down to what are the margins that you have when it comes to peaking. So late game, you hear an AWM and he knows where you are. You know that he 100% cannot afford to do that repeak. Well, the same would go to the early game when you only have a level 1 helmet or no helmet. You can't repeak because almost every gun can one-shot headshot you. You know, there's a part of peeking where it's like he'd have to hit some really nice shots to fully get me. So I'll lean out a little bit and see what I can do. It's just, I think it's the same as that end game margins with snipers. It kind of feels the same way. I would agree to an extent, but at the same time, I also think early game engagements come down to, I mean, I know we've alluded to positioning, but like the equipment you have in relation to your positioning. I was actually writing something on this today where I was thinking about. There's tons of times I land an Arangale and the only thing I have is a pistol, but I make it work. Like I can make it work for like maybe two or four kills, but then after that, hopefully, uh, you know, I found something more viable that I want to use. But for those first two to four kills, I do everything I can to put myself in positions and hold angles that benefit me as a player, not just my strengths, but also playing to the equipment that I have. I'm like, all right, cool. I only have a pistol. Well, I'm not going to take long engagements out in the open. I'm going to stick to my corners. I'm going to stick to staying inside of buildings. And I'm going to try to kill people doing, you know, hopefully the same thing. But if they have a shotgun, all right, cool. Now I have to put a little bit of distance between us because their effective range is closer than mine. And I think just kind of understanding the dynamics of what you have versus how close you are to people. And it really plays into it a lot more than people think. That's so important. Unless you want the 200 meter achievement for the pistol. I don't give a shit. That's, this is, that's dumb. You say that until I get one and I'm going to show it off. That shit's up there with grenade indicators. Anyone who gets that, I'm just going to call hack anyway. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> All one video proof, you know. Hashtag 6x for the P911. Let me just, let me throw an 8x on there. Give me it. You did make a good point there, though, Griff, is take fights based on the equipment you have. If you don't have a helmet, it may not be the best idea to peek from an upper window down at somebody because they can only shoot your head. If you have a QBU on Sandhawk, maybe not the best idea to take close quarters combat. That's a really good point, is know what equipment you have, and you got to know the, that area well enough to say, okay, well... If I engage here, it's going to be a mid-range fight no matter what. I need a close quarters combat situation, so I'm going to loop around the back and come in this way. You know, take the fights where you need them. I kind of see the opposite to what Griff said happen a lot where people find, say, a car 98 in a hot drop, and they, they're they running around trying to take headshots at close range. When when I get that, if I, particularly if you get a sight early on, I just duck straight out of there and go and sit on the nearest hill and use, you know, use your weapon to its full advantage where you know no one's going to be able to get him get close to you yeah i mean that's totally a thing that you can do and players shouldn't be you know discouraged or afraid of doing that if they feel like it's something viable that they can do mm. if you can create some separation go for it but don't land boot camp with me and then stroll off to the hills when because all you found was a car 98 either you know <laughs> <laughs> instead of your solo thing to do yeah yeah i know what you meant but you know it's, 
some people do that in squads because they're like, I, I, well, I got to do something. So let me try and get a quick body shot and then keep moving. Or, you know, luck, if I'm lucky, it's a headshot, it's a knock. And then I then I can pick up my gun. So it's called an overwatch position, Kevin. God. Okay. Learn some tactics. Jeez Louise. That tactic also seems just like leaving me out to dry, but okay. Yeah, so like an Overwatch situation would be where you're on top of the main building in Paradise and another podcast host runs into the deck and just leaves his head exposed a little bit and you just take it off there with one bullet. Well, to be fair, I was healing and you were hiding on top of the roof like a little bitch. <laughs> Clip in the one to zero. Not impressed. I am not impressed. <laughs> that PUBG report is one of the funniest things I've ever watched. <laughs> I still stand by what I said. One of them did get diarrhea. Good. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's what everyone wanted to know. <laughs> I will trade the discomfort of your child for knowledge of my powers. Do you want to know what actually happened on Easter Sunday while we're on the subject? I don't think so. Just tell me the color. Red. Oh, okay. I was loading my kids into the car to go to Easter brunch. And as we strapped my two-year-old into his seat, he was coughing really bad. Yeah. And so we were getting him some honey. Mm -hmm. And as my wife put the honey in his mouth, for the first time ever, one of my kids vomited all over themselves while strapped into the car seat on the way to Easter brunch. Fuck yeah. It was the grossest thing I've ever seen because he... The reason it happened was he opened his Easter eggs and had eaten a bunch of Starburst, and he had taken an affinity to the red-colored Starburst. So you can imagine how that went. Sticky. That just sounds sticky. So thanks, Griff. You're welcome. So, Heath, I know you had one or three final points, but before we get to that, I got one more that I want to talk about. And I guess I would summarize it by saying utility matters. And again, this is kind of an overall gameplay tip, but it matters in the early game. A lot of people have way too many grenades when they die. Smoke, molly, frag, stun. Use your utility. They can be critical in the beginning of the game. You know, you throw a good grenade and catch one or two people, changes the fight. If you throw smoke as a misdirection, or you throw molly to make it so they can't escape from an area or they have to rotate a certain way, again, these utility things can really change a battle. And early in a game, people are often holed up in houses. Stun grenades. Use them. If they don't hit them and blind them fully, at the very least, they will ruin their audio for a couple of seconds which lets you reposition or storm in so utility use it that's great yeah like you said my last three points are all the same don't panic don't panic don't panic it's easy to get in a bit of a tiff when you hit the ground if you didn't have any sort of backup plan like if you thought i'm just gonna land i don't know main grab a gun and that was that was where your plan ended if there's not a gun there or there's five dudes standing in there you know having a game of tennis your plan's shot to shit and the first thing you do is just freak right out so usually a backup plan you know like if, it's, if there's nothing in main i'm going to run this way or i'm going to drop with with you one heart if my area is too crowded these things help drastically and if you're not panicking you're going to shoot better when you do get your gun how often have you actually got to your gun and you stand there looting like mad and you're actually missing the keys on your keyboard or your 
you know, you're overclicking with your mouse to try and drag your loot over because you know you you were being tracked by somebody. Do you guys ever get in that situation, or you just cool and collect it all the time? Oh no, I'm a spaz. Yeah, spazzy it fingers. It took a while. Still happens. But yeah, the more you can kind of take a step back, remember to breathe. If you can just take a breath while you're thinking, oh shit, instead of oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, just like oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. The worst you one might be where people right. actually say that as well. Your whole team is trying to listen and you're going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> it's probably not the thing to say out loud. Think it, take a breath, <laughs> keep moving. Yeah. Or if you can, if you have to say it, use all comms so everybody gets to hear it. And that, that can send the panic to spread to the other teams. Well, that that don't panic one, yeah, it's don't spread it. Let's be real honest. This game is brutal on the nervous system. If you're brand new, you're going to get jump scared a lot. And frankly, I've been playing this game for a long time now, and I still get jump scared from time to time. But as soon as you can get yourself in the mindset that there's always somebody hunting you or someone to be hunted, it'll help with the don't panic. So in the beginning of games, especially if you saw people drop into the area, you can readily assume that someone's trying to line up a shot on you. And if you think about that, it's going to help you do a couple things. One, it's going to help you think about where you're moving and why. And number two, it's going to be always be moving, which just talking right now made me think about a tip that I didn't write down, but I wanted to bring up. If you're looting and you're exposed anywhere, do not stand still. You need to be moving while you're looting somebody's corpse. Do not stand still. I kind of move in a circle, mm-hmm. and I throw in some crouches every now and then. That takes a bit of skill. <laughs> it does take a little bit of skill, but a lot of the sites now that um, track your stats, like PUBG Lookup, you can actually go do 2D replays. Have you guys seen these yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They've been around for months, like six months or nine months or something. Yeah. So is it PUBG Lookup that has them? PUBG Lookup has them. A lot of places have them. They're, they're pretty easy to recreate. So if you go look at PUBG Lookup and hit the 2D replays of recent matches where you went to pretty highly dense areas, you're going to see how close you came to having engagements with people. Interesting. These 2D replays can be critical for learning just how many people are around. Like, pick a game that you did really well in. Maybe a game that you won. Go watch the 2D replay and watch how many times you almost encountered someone. And you'll realize just how many people could have killed you when you were doing something that you weren't expecting someone to be there. There's always people around. Almost always. Oh, for sure. It's staggering. Yeah. I've done it in the in-game replay and I've watched people line me up, but they didn't take the shot because they didn't want to give away their position. Yeah. And I've ended up winning the game and thinking, oh man, they would be kicking themselves. And you just brought up my next point. Use the in-game replay system. It's one thing to experience the game from your perspective when you're trying to find people, but when you go into the replay and you can watch other people's perspectives or a, you know, an overwatch position with the camera you can learn a lot about how people play certain areas of a town or a hot drop and it will teach you way more than just playing it over and over and over i really really believe in reviewing some type of footage whether it's a replay whether it's watching back your stream or if you record your gameplay you can learn a lot from watching it back and not actually playing 
So it's just another thing that I do and I recommend everybody take a look at. So this is your chance, guys. Any final words you guys want to drop in here on winning early engagements? Um, I got one, I guess. Just treat every single drop with the same level of attention that you give on your best drops. And what I mean by that is make sure you're actually looking at who's landing right in your town. If you're landing somewhere smaller where it's just big enough for your team, see where that team, see how many people are in that town that's just a little bit further, you know, keep those things in mind so that you don't get surprised by how quickly someone pushed you in a quiet little town where it was just the four of you hitting eight buildings. Be attentive and ready for those things and you'll get surprised less. And if you're somewhere like military and a full team actually did land over at the workshops and radar and you didn't pay attention to it, now you're making your way to barracks and all of a sudden one guy is just mindlessly looting and running and taking out, taking out when you go and watch that replay and you're like, oh yeah, there was a whole other team. They just hadn't gotten into an engagement either. And they snuck up on us. It's like they didn't sneak at all. They were just doing their thing. So if you give that attention on every drop to not only be the first on the land, like the first one to land, but also to be aware of where everyone else's shoots are, that'll that'll help you get probably a little further, win a few more of your hot drops or even the medium drops and see yourself into the mid game. Awesome. What about you, Heath? Anything else that you want to put out here? No, I'm good. Griff? Yeah, I agree with Heath. I think we uh, pretty much covered all the points that I had. I mean, you guys brought up a lot of good topics. And yeah, hopefully there's there's plenty here for people to unpack and hopefully try to implement into their own early games as well. I want to hear from people about their firing squad maneuvers. If you do a good oh, one. Can we make that the challenge? Yeah, you know what? That's a That's a challenge. Give me clips of your firing squad maneuvers. Someone on your team calling it out, you guys getting it done. And I want to hear the cowling laughter. I will gift five subs to your Twitch channel if you can bait G-Tuck into a firing squad and you get it on tape. You heard it here, five gifted subs. That is not our Patreon money, Mike. No, it's straight out of me. That's coming from me. All right. But yeah, it's, that's out of your pocket. Patreon. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have one final point I want to make before we wrap this thing up. Whether you're playing in a squad or duos in a three-man squad, and even if you're dropping alone in a solo, make sure that you are on the same page with yourself and your teammates on how you're going to play the drop. Because you may not agree with my take on pushing enemies with only a gun and a helm, but your three teammates might. So make sure you talk that stuff through. Because I'll be honest, I play with squads that do not like to push until they're fully looted. I know that, and I have to change my play style to match theirs to be effective. So make sure that you're communicating how it's going to go, or if it doesn't go well, make some changes on the next one. But make sure that's happening before the match starts and not like as you're hitting the ground. Or as you're getting knocked for pushing too fast while they're looking for their their vest still not, not really at your back. You're angry for the rest of the night. And then you're in tilt, like Griff just handled in his uh, Why You Suck a PUBG, which was an awesome video, by the way, Griff. So we kind of joked about it, but if you're interested in supporting this podcast going forward, and this is no joke, even a dollar a month of support is incredible. It's amazing. We'd love for you to become a patron, and we really appreciate all of you who are current patrons. And if money isn't a way you can support the podcast, but you want to help us out, 
please take the time to log into whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast and give us a rating. If for some reason you cannot give us a good solid rating on there, please let us know about it. I get constructive feedback through DMs all the time, and I love it. We want to get better. We want to know what you want to hear about. And do not be shy. You will not hurt our feelings. It's not possible. We want this show to be excellent, and we want it to continue going on. We're planning on doing it for a long time. So please, please, please help us with ratings. Send us your feedback. And if you can support, we would we would sure appreciate it. And just to add to that, if you're not someone who's going to be on Discord or who's able to do a review for us, but you do have feedback, or if you have feedback that you don't want to put in a review and you're also not a Discord user, you can email us at winterpod at gmail.com. We'll put that link in the description. We do have access to that now as well. So we'll be able to see any new messages. You know, I got in there today and tried to answer a few people, but a lot of them were, were old and really before we had taken anything over. So it's really not even what they want to see, probably. It's kind of just a letting you know, hey, we're still here. But if you want to email us as well, we're going to be getting on and checking that too. So, you know, there's multiple ways to get in touch with us. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes. And on that note, I actually just heard about some platforms that are really challenging to get the show notes. And I heard about somebody who wanted to join the Discord but was never able to find it and they didn't want to ask. In the case that you've been looking to get in the Discord and it's hard to get into the show notes, the link to get in, and this is a universal link that doesn't expire, it's discord.gg forward slash capital M lowercase z capital Y capital Z five lowercase d lowercase w. So again, discord.gg forward slash capital M lowercase z capital Y capital Z five lowercase d lowercase w join us join the conversation as always spiffy man thank you so much for the music you can find all of his links in the show notes kev tell these people where they can find you well you just got the link you can find me on discord and say hello i'll also be spewing lots of random nonsense about video games mostly on twitter and that's at the one heart live and that's really that's really all I need to advertise at the moment. So thank you guys if you follow me there or just say hello through the Discord. Thanks guys. Heath, where can they find you? Yeah, follow the Winner Podcast Instagram. I've been looking after that and enjoying making videos for that, mostly just to promote when the next episodes come out. But it's a it's a fun format for me to, to play on, so you can get on me there. Or what was the other one? I'm sure I've got other places you can find me. No, I don't. I'm nobody. No, actually, if you jump on the Discord, feel free to hit me up for a game. I love it when people I don't know, never met, send me a DM, say, I heard the podcast. Can we have a duo? Let's do that. I love that. And also, because I'm in Australia, I'm on a different time to these guys usually, so it's quite hard for me to play with them. So anyone in my region, feel free to hit me up. Awesome. Griff, what about you, man? Well, uh, still find me on Twitter. Still find me on YouTube. Um, I've got a couple of other Why You Suck at PUBG videos in the mix that I'm slowly working on, a few other ideas, but nothing too concrete to announce at the moment. But uh, yeah, like I said, I've got episode 13 live right now and looking to do episode 14, 15, and potentially 16 uh, after that. So uh, yeah, if you enjoy my content and enjoy following me, definitely check me out and subscribe over at YouTube. And uh, that's probably the best place to find me right now. Awesome. As for me, 
I am on just about every platform with the username MTB Trigger, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, and Twitch. And speaking of Twitch, I need to give a special shout out to my man, Mark Delvillar. The guy is a legend. He just did all of the artwork for my Twitch channel, my Twitter, my Instagram, my Discord profile pictures. He is a fan of the podcast. He is in Hambino's community, and he is all over the place right now. Dude is just an absolutely nice guy and an incredible artist. Give that guy some love if you see Mark hanging around. He is an awesome guy, and I just want to say special shout-out to Mark for redoing all of my artwork. He has a Twitch, right? He does have a Twitch, and he streams when he is doing art for people. It is awesome. Uh, his name is spelled... We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. Yeah, but he's open He's open for commission. If you guys need something, you can work out a price with him and, and get something done, which would be pretty cool. But you won't be disappointed. Just take a look at what Trigger's got and see if you want to be made into a uh, Team Fortress 2 character or, or whatever your artistic needs. He'll, he'll meet him. So, good guy. Great guy. So, as always, friends... There will be a ton of content in the show notes. You can always find that content in the Discord or ask us for it as well if you can't access the show notes. So make sure you check that out. You can also just go to Podbean and look up Winner Winner, even if that's not the way that you're getting the podcast. And you'll be able to find the full segment. We'll have streamer profiles. We're working on that website. It's a full website for us. You'll be able to see the show and find all the links in the show notes, even if you're listening to it from say Spotify and you can't get our show notes so you could look that up at work or in a different time and see all of that without having to join the discord or, or go through any other hoops so winner winner on Podbean super easy to find us there you'll see our logo excellent point Kev thank you sir and on that note we are out of here winner winner out